TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Well, we just finished up week nine of the Gophers regular season schedule. And like like uh, like I, I've been saying pretty much the entire time, uh, the Gophers, they handle business. At Penn, no, I'm kidding. I, I, I was the one, I have to say, I was the one when you're comparing me and, and Ross and Daniel, all the all the typical fa- faces of the Score North Gopher show, I was the one who was a little negative last week. I was a little apprehensive about f- taking on number four Penn State at home. But Daniel, the Gophers, they had other ideals. They knock off the number four team in the country, and they move on to 9-0, and a perfect season a perfect 9 and 0 on the season so far. What did you think of the matchup last weekend? Does it really get any better than that? I didn't I think mean, so. The, the crowd storming the field, watching it happen from the box was crazy because you see the kneel down, the last one. Morgan extends his arm and then everybody's running to the corner for the bell. <laughs> and everyone gets caught up. The players did with all the people running on the field. No kidding. And they didn't even they didn't really even get caught up in the the bell. The bell was like the last thought of this game, and it tells you how significant it was. And I see all these people filtering down. It was just like ants coming in, and then you just packed. You probably got forty thousand people coming to one spot to celebrate, and it just shows you. When college football is dominant in this town and they're, it's performing at a high level, it's consistent, fans will support it. You saw the TV ratings were unbelievable. The atmosphere was incredible. You could feel it in the press box. Like you, On third down in a couple of the moments, the crowd noise was just kind of shaking the box just a little bit. A couple of us were like, did you feel that? And uh, I just couldn't get over the atmosphere. That was the main takeaway from the game. The Gophers executed extremely well, and I, I loved the scheme. They were so well prepared and ready to go. Daniel, you mentioned it, the crowd on the field. That was such a cool moment. You know, you, you saw the, those pictures and those videos basically for the next couple of days where it, it was getting national attention. Obviously, one of the biggest games of the day, other than the number one number, or, you know, the, the, the Alabama and LSU game. But this game – I don't think a lot of – I mean, I, I don't know if you saw game day, they pick the games every every week, and almost everybody – you had Desmond, you had uh, you had Lee Corso and Kirk Herbstreit all on Penn State. I feel like the world was kind of picking Penn State. And the Gophers, they had, they, they had enough of – they played with enough heart. They had a good enough game plan coming in. And my biggest takeaway from what I saw at my local – my favorite uh, watering hole, by the way. That's where I was watching the game. My biggest takeaway was the Gophers seemed unafraid of this moment. I, my biggest concern was that maybe maybe this moment, even though they've looked solid all year, especially in Big Ten play, that this moment might be a little too big for this really young Gophers team. But, boy, did they prove me wrong in that sense. But you look at their big-time players, James. Bateman's making plays. Morgan looks so confident and comfortable. Maybe the best game he's played at Minnesota, and he had another 90-plus percent completion percentage game against Purdue, and this one was probably better. Mm-hmm. You've got Tyler Johnson, who's making big impact plays. Defensively, Winfield's the weapon. He's the biggest aspect of the scheme. They're coming out single high. 
and moving him all over the field to help with Firemuth and Hamler. And I just love the, the scheme, the preparation. Uh, Kirk Sharaka called an awesome game. We discussed it before recording here, but that third and seven draw play to Mohamed Ibrahim mm-hmm. was a big moment in that game. And the rhythmic play calling throughout was just fantastic. They're taking away the middle of the field quite often, and they would attack to the sideline vertically with Bateman. I just look at that play where Shannon Brooks picks up the blitz early on where the safety's aligned at the nickel spot, picks up the blitz, the corner shifts over to the slot to take Johnson, and they've got the safety, the single high guy, shaded all the way over to the boundary on the short side of the field. He has to make a run all the way over to try to cover Bateman. Morgan sees that pre-snap. Bateman has an effortless 66-yard TD. Just the play calling throughout the way they took advantage of the coverages. And Penn State, we knew coming in that they were going to stop the run, and they bottled that up for the most part, had a couple strong runs that kept them in a rhythm with the stretch plays and things like that, actually had quite a bit of success off of that. But they took the the deep shots and exploited Penn State's secondary. They've struggled with teams that stretch the field, and they hadn't witnessed anything quite like that with those trio of receivers, and they all made plays and contributed and had three TDs among the, the trio. So that's impressive. And we touched on it a little bit, but you know, you, you brought up that Tanner Morgan, his, his performance against Purdue, where he had a 95% completion percentage. He, uh, he was just, he, you compare that though, to, to what we just saw last week against a top four team in, in Penn state coming in, knowing that they need this game. If they're trying to keep their college football playoff hopes alive, which you know, they, they, they were not focused. They were not lacking any focus on the Gophers. They came into this game knowing that they needed to, to this win was, is as important to them as beating Ohio state later in the year, if that was what they were going to do, but they, they came in focus. The Gophers came in focus. And I thought this was one of the better college football games that I've ever seen the Gophers have the second most efficient efficient passing offense in the country right now behind Oklahoma wrap your head around that for a second as bad as that wide receiver group was when PJ first took this program over probably bottom five nationally this is one of the most elite wide receiver trios in the country we saw it and Tanner Morgan's quick release And I wrote that piece about it, but when you really pay attention to it and watch it closely, the RPO game, how quick he gets the ball out, especially like with screens, like that tunnel screen he threw, just flicks it, gets it out there. The blocking downfield was tremendous by Dunlap and Andre. And Ottman Bell, after the catch, is incredible. We don't even talk about Ottman Bell as much as we should. Like, he just glides. Like, Mm -hmm. he never slows down. He, He moves at one pace. And then the nasty disrespect stiff arm that he had right at the end of the play. I just look at how this offense is just so balanced. Like you want to, you want to run the ball. All right. Well, stack the box and then you get burned on the perimeter. Or if you want to play the pass, you're going to run into lighter boxes. So Morgan's processing too, like looking off safeties, changing protections. You see that football IQ when you really dive into it closely Tanner is playing at an extremely high level. Those playmakers are dynamic, and this Gophers offense is, is going to light up the record books because uh, I, I, I haven't seen anything like it. And, and we see 
it get better every single week, it feels like. Do you think before P.J. Fleck came and, and, you know, really changed this offense that the Gophers were, you know, lagging behind of what we've really seen college football move into, more of that spread offense where, like you said, if you're going to if you're gonna lock in to play the run, then we're just going to throw it on you. We're going to use that, utilize that RPO to get it behind your, you know, your, your slower defensive linemen, linebackers. Or if you're going to, you know, if you're going to sell out to cover our receivers, well, then we're running into a six-man box and we're going to be able to take advantage of that. Is that really is that the turning point of, of what we've seen the Gophers really become successful offensively is changing that scheme to more of a spread form? Well, yes, and that's one of the things that PJ Fleck has always done at his pass stops, like at Western. They control the time of possession. They pick up a lot of first downs. They play efficient. They don't kick themselves in, uh, with penalties. They're one of the least penalized teams in the country. They're red zone efficiency. They're fifth in red zone TDs. They're eighth in red zone scoring percentage. They're a top 12 team in third down conversions. And PJ talks about it. 78% of teams win if they lead the turnover margin. The Gophers are 10th nationally in turnover margin. They're limiting explosive plays uh, defensively. Uh, they aren't missing tackles. They're making... Uh, they, they've improved in that area as the season progresses. They just play extremely efficient football, and that's the biggest difference. You see that inside zone running scheme that is just the bread and butter. They've complemented it with that outside zone to take advantage of the backs and the O-line skill sets they have. And then those playmakers, like you said, just spreading the field out and saying, all right, how do you want to defend us? It, it's so difficult to defend this team. And I, mm-hmm. this was Penn State's first challenge. I, I said it coming in, and a lot of people, I think, kind of laughed about it. But Penn State hadn't faced a wide receiver group or offense with this much balance. This was their test, and we saw how they responded to it. So down the stretch, I don't think many of these teams are going to see wide receivers like this. And that needs to be the storyline. This Gophers wide receiver group, it's special, and it's, it's the test for the rest of the teams that are on the Gophers' schedule. And I, I want to know from you, Daniel, because you, you see this team all the time. And and what would if, – if you were – I mean, I want you to put yourself in like you're the defensive coordinator of, of the upcoming team. What would you do to – I mean, how do you take away these options? How, how do you game plan for this Gophers team who they can beat you on the ground? We've seen that in multiple 300-yard rushing games. Uh, they can beat you in the air, as, as we just saw. Tanner Morgan, extremely efficient. And, hey, when we get down in the goal line, we're going to show you a little Seth Green and Wildcat, and, and you can try to stop that too. And we haven't seen anybody do that. How do you defend this, this goal for offense? It's extremely difficult to do. You saw Penn State experimenting the whole game. You go single high, but then you have man-to-man matchups on the outside. You're able to commit defenders and send more pressure. But then Morgan is so strong against the blitz that he gets the ball out so fast that I would love to know where he ranks in terms of getting the ball out quick among quarterbacks in college football because the ball just gets out, and that makes it really difficult to defend because if you're going to take chances with blitzes and play single high, play more man-to-man on the outside, those receivers and Morgan's ability to handle pressure, those are tough. And then if you try to play zone underneath, then they tack you vertically. That's what they did uh, uh, in the second half of that game. I was looking at that three-play sequence with that key moment in the game, 31 to 19, late in the third quarter, you felt like maybe the game was starting to shift a little bit. Penn State was starting to get themselves back 
in the in within striking distance. And then Bateman had three catches for 72 yards, runs that corner route into cover one. They showed pre-snap cover two with two deep safeties. They shifted the strong safety over in the box, and then the single high guy cheated to the sh- to the boundary on the short side of the field. Bateman just attacks the blind spot, boom, and just pops off a corner route. Effortless completion, RPO slant the next play. And then later on, you see it again, two deep safeties. Morgan holds off the safety. Bateman makes the excellent late adjustment. So it's like if you want to play with zone coverage over the middle underneath, then you go vertically. If you want to, if you want to play uh, single high, you're going to get beat over the middle with the quick passing game. And, it, and then if you want to take away the pass, you're going to run into light boxes. So to answer that, I honestly – it's so tough to decide what you're going to do. You have to try to limit this offense. You're never really going to take it away mm-hmm. because of these playmakers. Yeah, I agree, and that's why. I, and then I that's why I brought up the wrinkle too, because we did see Seth Green into the game in the Wildcat um, against Penn State, and and they had kind of slowed down on that a little bit. They have they hadn't really need needed to use that so much in in their other Big Ten games. But man, when they when they need short yardage and you're inside the inside the ten inside the five. That we have yet to see that be stopped. It Seth Green's versatility is one of the things that's not talked about enough because he comes into that package and you're guaranteed to pick up positive yards. If you need one yard, Seth Green is going to find a way to come in there. And they've added wrinkles and they've done different things to that package. Coquif uh, done one of those Seth Green plunges, mm-hmm. unbelievable clearing the edges. These tight ends are blocking at a very high level. Coquise, honestly, is is just elevating the whole running game when he's in there, especially in those goal line packages, just driving and clearing the edge for Seth Green. It's a complete team effort, James. I, I just see it everywhere on the field. The continuity on defense, mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. They're making pre-snap adjustments. You see Winfield, when I'm watching from the box, I'm looking at Winfield. He's communicating pre-snap making adjustments and you got barber in the second level he's making adjustments uh, pre-snap and then you got carter coughlin you've, you've got leaders on all three levels and they play together a while now so they're starting to get that continuity and they have the third most efficient pass defense in the country right now those dbs are playing with such strong technique coney Durr mm-hmm. had that big pass breakup yep. williamson had the one on fourth down in the corner of the end zone and then St. Juiced had the one on the fade to, to Hamler late in the game. That three-play sequence by the DBs, they have been locked down, and, it, and they've relied on their DBs a lot more uh, than they usually do, especially in man and PJ's past seasons here, but they finally have the personnel. So it's a team effort, James. It's really fun to watch this team because of their efficiency, chemistry, and their continuity. And I, I want to bring up, too, I'm glad you mentioned the defense because we had spent a lot of time talking about the offense so far. I, I want to bring you back to that final drive of the game. Um, when you had Penn State kind of moving the ball down the field, you're, you're, I know if, Gopher fans, if they were the same as me, they were looking at the clock. They, your, your eyes almost didn't leave the play clock or the, the, the game clock because you wanted to think, well, if Penn, State, if Penn, if Penn State's going to score here, I want to make sure this offense has enough time. And just as I'm thinking that Jordan Howden makes probably the play of his life in the end zone, uh, jumping that route and, and, and jumping in front of the receiver to make that game-winning interception. Take me through that play and what you saw. Well, it was wild because 
that whole sequence where they started that that uh, that drive, I see the offensive pass interference penalty. Mm-hmm. That backs that. That was just a significant moment in that game because if they if that doesn't happen, you're you're talking about a whole different set of play calls. Now you've got them backed up, and they actually ran what's called a dagger concept, so it's a vertical route up the seam and a dig route underneath it. The Gophers were in deep zone and got just enough heat. Clifford stepped up in the pocket just a little bit, but they had a, had some edge pressure there, and he threw behind uh, the receiver, and Howden made the play. It was just tremendous effort by Howden, who has been one of the – one of the unsung heroes of the defense, honestly, he's progressed, and a lot of people were really on him last year. He's a walk-on. He just didn't have a lot of physicality, missed some tackles in space, but his ability to, to play at a high level has allowed Antoine Winfield's versatility to show up on the field. They're able to do a lot more single high and, and move Winfield around, move Houghton around, because he is a supreme athlete. Rossi's talked a lot about that, but the way that they defended that play at the end of the game, I'm going to break it down this week, but uh, they they handled that well, and that offensive pass interference, big big change in how Penn State could attack that. You, you essentially could uh, put them in a less favorable position because of that. Absolutely, and and I I just thought the defense, while you know you they they did give up some passing yards. Clifford um, ends the day being uh, twenty three of forty three for three forty a touchdown, but the three interceptions really are what turned the the game in favor of the Gophers. You brought up turnover differential, and and really that's going to be what uh, the Gophers lean on, especially again in in these games where you're going up against these really good these really good offenses, these really good opponents. Penn State is no slouch, and I you know th- they have the talent. And, and maybe maybe you disagree. I think they have the kind of talent that where if, if Ohio State sleeps on them, they can catch Ohio State. What, what do you think? Yeah, with all the the playmakers they have on offense, Fryermuth and Hamler and Shorter is a really good player. I didn't think Sean Clifford played very well against the Gophers either. I thought the way that they schemed him, they pressured him. I said that when I watched that Michigan State game, I felt like, and even the Michigan one, he did not handle pressure while he throws off his back foot, makes some bad decisions, and the Gophers did a nice job of exploiting that and using the scheme to take advantage of, of that weakness because it was one of the big ones coming into the game. I just I love love the way Joe Rossi uh, schemed defensively, and that early takeaway, like you said, the turnover margin is such a big aspect of this team. Getting that early takeaway from Winfield and then converting that into a TD, getting off to a quick start, was such a big part of this game because it increases your confidence. It gets the crowd into the game. And uh, Penn State, when they had, when they got in that situation, they had really never been in a moment where they've had to come up with a high-leverage play, and the Gophers have been all year. And that's why I said in those non-conference games, I'm kind of glad that they had to overcome some adversity and learn how to play in those moments. Learn how to win. They didn't even bat an eye at all. No kidding. Yeah. And and that's what PJ was saying. He 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 was hammering it home early in the year. 
we're going to be playing in a lot of close games in the Big Ten. This is only going to help us as a program move forward and learn how to win a close game. And I think it was one of the first things he said um, in his interview with Holly Rowe after the game was this was a close game because of how we played early in the season. We learned how to win close games, and we and we won another close game. I want to before before we take a quick break here. I want to get your thoughts because we're we're gonna we're gonna have a lot to say about the Gophers moving forward. How, what do you think about Penn State moving forward? Their, the status of their season right now, what do you view as – I mean, is this, a, is this the kind of game that you think might derail them in their hopes of, of you know, representing the, – they still, they still have Big Ten championship hopes. How does this game affect them moving forward? Honestly, I really feel like they'll bounce back nicely because of their defense. They, their defense in the front seven is strong, but – when they play a team like Ohio State, the blueprint has been laid out. Their secondary does not defend the deep ball well. We knew that coming in. They've given up for over 400 yards of passing. Uh, and av- teams average like 35 yards per reception on passes of you know 20-plus yards. It's just seriously just, just obliterating them through the air. Mm-hmm. So what I see is they're going to struggle down the stretch against teams that have dynamic playmakers and the Gophers – our team that has similar dynamic weapons to a squad like Ohio State. So that Ohio State game, honestly, I could see it getting really out of hand uh, with Penn State. They'll bounce back, but when they have to play uh, elite-tier competition, uh, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to match up because of that secondary. If you can get the ball out and scheme correctly, uh, I don't know if they're as big of a threat as everyone thinks because the Gophers uh, definitely laid out the blueprint. It was definitely fun to see uh, this game be the front and center of the college football uh, schedule last week, and and I'll, you know there was a lot of eyes on this game, and and it was it was just a heck of a way for the Gophers to really show the nation who they are. We're gonna take a quick break. We're gonna come back because the Gophers uh, they, they do play Iowa this weekend, and we definitely want to dive into that. So we'll be right back here on the Score North Gophers Show. Gopher fans, it's Phil Mackey here with a question for you, business owners specifically. Have you ever had an insurance claim that left you feeling like you got sacked in the end zone when something bad happens to the company you built with? your blood, sweat, and tears, you don't want to be left sitting on the sidelines waiting to get back in the game. You want your insurance team to be ready with a game plan that helps you recover smoothly so you can get on with running your business. Your local federated representative is ready to create a custom playbook of specialty insurance products and risk management strategies for you. Federated Insurance, it's our business to protect yours. And I jumped the gun a little bit, uh, saying we get into Iowa because I we, we did we did uh, pose a couple of questions on on our uh, on our Twitter accounts before the uh, before the podcast that we wanted you guys to get involved with. So we want to hit some some listener questions to to keep you guys involved. So uh, Douglas asked Daniel, what did Penn State see defensively from us that allowed the big gash runs, especially to the left side? And also, how do we tighten up the coverage on tight ends, assuming Iowa will be attempt, attempting to follow suit in that retrospect? Well, with the running game, I'm not too concerned because of the way that they were playing single high. They moved a guy into the box. Howd missed the tackle on the Journey Brown run, and then Chris Williamson fell down, slipped in the alley, couldn't make the tackle. So that was just an alignment issue, a fluke. When you're single high, Winfield shading over to the other side to try to shut down their playmakers. So running game-wise, just some run fits were a little bit leaky, but for the most part, uh, it wasn't an issue that I'm too worried about. And then with the tight ends, uh, I 
I feel like because of the way they were scheming Hamler, there were some soft spots. And honestly, in the red zone, they did a nice job with Friar Muse by uh, matching up Winfield on him. You knew they were going to run that fade wheel look to Friar Muse, and they mm-hmm. matched Winfield up. I'm going to put that in a piece this week. But they did a nice job of countering that and knew that that was going to be the case. So, you know, you're going to get, you're going to get your yardage uh, in these situations. You're trying to take away someone like Hamler. And Fire Muse is just so good that you're never going to play a tight end all year with that special ability. So, honestly, I'm not too worried about those two variables. I agree. I, I thought that was a one-off thing with the with the, the leaky the leaky running because we haven't really seen that so much this year, and I think that was more of just a one-off situation. I do want to give Dane credit as well because he asked about the Shannon Brooks blitz pickup on the corner blitz uh, that helped spring the Bateman touchdown. Was that the play of the game? We kind of touched on that earlier. And then uh, Christo asked, uh, PJ, he wants to know, or he wants to hear your thoughts on PJ Flex' effect on this amazing run for the Gophers and just how they've responded to their head coach in general. Well, it's just the the buy-in from all the players. P.J. Flex done a tremendous job of finding players that fit what he's trying to do, and he's done that at every stop. He's got the right guys that fit his culture, that play disciplined, and he installs his system, and the guys executed at a very high level. The chemistry of this group is what I just can't get over, like the, the connectivity. I asked Fleck about that after the game. I said, how much of this team's success is related to the connectivity of the group? And he goes, this team is, is – you're either a group or you're a team. And he goes, this, this, is a, this is a team all the way through. And he just went into how they like to do stuff together, and they're just close. And you see that continuity uh, all across the board. And that's the, that's the way that this culture is built. It's connected not only the, the program with Gopher fans, but it's brought the state together. I'm amazed at how much interest there is in Gopher football. You go all over it. You just see people getting fired up about the Gophers brand, what they're up to, what row the boat means. The imprint has been made not only on the field, but with the Gophers brand and the national recognition that it has. I, I love what PJ is doing with the program. And this is just the, the start because he's laid the foundation. And honestly, they're probably just a little bit ahead of schedule from where they thought they would be. So just think when, when you realize that this team is still relatively young, I mean, their roster, all of the key guys that they have are still, some of them are underclassmen. So think about what the future is going to look like once these guys continue to gain experience and you keep building that roster. This isn't one of those flash in the pan type things. This is, uh, this is something that could be a sustainable success, which is what PJ has said he wants to develop. It, I, you know, you you talk about Gopher fans really responding to this game. I think Gopher fans needed a game like this to to and 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 credit them. They they showed up this weekend. They mm-hmm. they were energized. They were excited. They stormed the field after the win. They were waiting for a moment like this. And credit to the Gophers for being able to del- to deliver fans who you know not just fans our age, Daniel. 40, 50, 60-year-old Gopher fans who had never experienced anything like this are finally vindicated after that performance against Penn State. It, it's one of those things where I've never witnessed anything quite like it. The atmosphere was just incredible. It's what college football is all about. People have waited a long time to see this, and it's just fun to have college football that's played at a high level in this town because the University of Minnesota is an amazing school. I had the chance to go there. And to see the, the environment that I witnessed 
on Saturday and the excitement and the energy that this fan base showed, that's that's what gets me fired up to cover this team because there's nothing like it. You, you are engaging with fans not only locally but nationally. Uh, PJ has done a remarkable job of bringing an energy injection to this program. I agree. Well, let's with that, let's move on to Iowa because I, I, I teased that earlier before the break. Um, I want to bring up Patrick's tweet because I, you know, it, it touched my heart because uh, if, if you guys don't know, I'm, I'm quite the degenerate. I'm, I'm a big sports better. Uh, Patrick says free money in Vegas this weekend. And what he's referring to is the Iowa Hawkeyes being three, uh, starting out the week as three point favorites against Minnesota. Just your general thoughts on that as as Vegas still not viewing the Gophers as a, a team they're going to favor on the road quite yet. Well, when you look at the analytics, they're telling you that you should be running to Vegas because it is free money. <laughs> Five points should be the, the spread for this game in favor of the Gophers. And I just, I'm so surprised. I, here's what I think the issue is, is the fact Minnesota hasn't won at Iowa since 1999. Mm-hmm. And the Gophers haven't really played a game against a, a ranked opponent or a top-tier team in the Big Ten. This is a rivalry game. They want to see how they do on the road. Vegas maybe will shift this line a little bit, but the Gophers haven't have won a since 1999. You want to know what? Iowa went 1-10 that season in 99. And P.J. Fleck was on the Northern Illinois team uh, that played Iowa during that season. We call that a nugget. Pretty crazy to think about. That's a nugget. <laughs> yeah. i seen it on Twitter today. Uh, Josh Kloppenberg, I believe it is, from uh, from Marshall was tweeting about it. Yeah, and, I, you know, I agree with you. I, I just can't see from any – any of Iowa's performances this year so far? I mean, you they 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 were close against Wisconsin. I mean, it, it by far was not an embarrassing performance last week. But just in general, Nate Stanley fairly pede- uh, pedestrian numbers: twelve touchdowns, five interceptions. They've just never really been able to get get anything going. Um, you know, they they it was it was they've struggled against good opponents, and the Gophers are a good opponent. I think it's going to be another struggle for that Iowa offense. Well, the Gophers, seriously, they have six straight wins under P.J. Fleck when they're an underdog. So it seems to work. Iowa's offense, middle of the pack analytically. I've started diving into them. They're ranked 78th offensively out of 131 teams. I look at what they're doing on second down. Their efficiency on second down is terrible. 121st out of 131 teams. They get after it on first down. They're a top 25 team on first down. When it comes to efficiency, they're less effective than later down. So you've got to limit early down success. All across the board, though, middle of the pack offense. Their defense last week struggled. Oh, man, they struggled to tackle. They gave up a ton of yardage to Wisconsin. Jonathan Taylor went off for 250 yards. They gave up 473 yards. The Badgers had a whopping 24 first downs. And the crazy thing about it is 62 of those yards came in the second level and 81 were in the open field. So you're seeing that they were able to create explosive plays getting to the second level. So I would expect the Gophers' rushing game concepts, their physicality is going to match up well with this because Wisconsin was just blowing them off the ball, especially up front in the interior was the big takeaway. And honestly, with the way that outside zone's complementing, getting these guys moving sideline to sideline with their discipline and tackling in space, the Gophers match up really well with Iowa. I agree. And 
I, I brought this up. I want to I wanna share this with you, too. Iowa against quality opponents. So far this year, they've played four. They played at Iowa State. They did win that game. They won it 18-17. to It was a low-scoring, grinding game. Iowa State really struggled to, to take care of the football in that game. I, I remember I remember watching that, and Iowa, I mean, they. This is you're going to see. This is going to be the trend with them. They they score 18 and win against Iowa State. Their second quality opponent at Michigan. They lose 10 to three. They put up three points in that game. They their defense give them credit. They held Michigan down at that point. Michigan still kind of were not sure who they are. They hadn't had a good win yet. They were coming off struggling against Army, and they barely pulled that game out in overtime. But they Iowa loses to at Michigan. 10 to 3. Third game, third quality opponent, Penn State. They played them at in um in Iowa at Kinnick. They won they lost 17 to 12. 12 points on offense for Iowa and then finally last week at Wisconsin they lose 24 to 22. So we've seen that trend quality opponent their offense isn't there. Their offense is certainly there against the underwhelming teams, both in the Big Ten and the non-conference. They played Miami of Ohio and they played Middle Tennessee, put up big points in those games. Not outside of those games have we seen Nate Stanley, um, you know, bring the bring the best out of his teammates and and really put it put forward a, a performance that makes you think they're going to beat the undefeated Minnesota Golden Gophers at home. Well, the Gophers are going to be very, very creative up front. They're going to blitz a ton. Stanley, when he faces pressure, he makes some bad decisions. His mechanics kind of go out the window. Their pass offense is middle of the pack. They aren't very efficient there. Like I said, you got to get them uh, in the late down situations because they're not as effective, or, uh, not as effective in those moments. And Tyrell Tracy's been emerging, the redshirt freshman receiver. He's had TDs and back-to-back games, had five catches for 130 and a TD. He's the type of explosive playmaker that uh, they've been beating in their offense. So keep an eye on Tyrone Tracy, uh, the, the three-headed monster in the backfield. Uh, they got two pretty physical runners, Makai Sargent and Torin Young. Uh, Tyler Goodson's been rotating in. He's more of the quick, shifty guy. But the thing I noticed, too, uh, with Iowa is their, their front, their offensive line with two first-round draft pick potential players at Tristan Wirth, Solaric Jackson, Gophers are going to have to blitz to get some pressure here. They're going to be relying on their corners to play man-to-man on the outside and be physical, and that's been a success point for them this season. They've been able to do that. So another reason why I like this matchup is just because of – how all the strengths and weak strengths and weaknesses align, uh, and I see how efficient the Gophers are playing. Uh, I just love the way Minnesota matches up with Iowa. I could see this game really uh, surprising a lot of people for how Minnesota comes out and plays. I, I agree with you, Daniel. Would you say uh, I'm, I'm going to bring you back to before last week because obviously we they, we know they beat Penn State, but if you were last week. Would you have said Iowa, out of the three ranked opponents that the Gophers had left in the season, did you feel the best about the Iowa matchup? Absolutely. I, I still feel that way. Penn State was one, Wisconsin was two, Iowa was three uh, of those games remaining. And after watching Wisconsin tape early, and I'm sifting through it still, I'm, I'm feeling even more confident. I've been watching Iowa throughout the year, I've been scouting these teams out. Gophers match up well. Their physicality up front 
uh, is going to be a nice matchup. They, they could really uh, pick up a lot of rushing yards in this game. And then I see what happens with David Bell in the Purdue game. Probably maybe the best receiver they've played yet outside of Hamler. Hamler had a nice game against them. But David Bell had 13 catches for 197 and a TD earlier in the year. So I see what happens on the perimeter, uh, the opportunity to, to exploit them in that area. Uh, last week, Jack Cohen went at Matt Hankins quite a bit. Gophers, again, balance on offense. So whatever style you want to play, they'll go for it. And then defensively, like I said, play right into the hands of uh, what the Gophers do best by creating pressure through the blitz and manning up and then using that versatility of Winfield in the back of uh, the back end. So, uh, yeah, I do like how this matchup uh, unfolds out of all the remaining opponents. That was the game they had to win, James, mm-hmm. against Penn State. Mm-hmm. That's the game they needed. No kidding. And this is how I want to wrap this show because that was a perfect segue. Thank you. The way I want to wrap this show is the same, almost the same way I end, we ended the previous Score North Gopher show that had all three of us with, with Ross and with you and with me. What I said was if you beat Penn State, the kind of conversations that you get to start having makes this a completely in a completely new space than what we've ever seen before, we've ever experienced uh, looking at this team, covering this team. The Gophers are now in a situation where it is not unfeasible that they run the rest of the table, go 12-0, and and they're staring at Ohio State as undefeated versus undefeated, who's the king of the Big Ten. Daniel... Talk, tell me why I am I'm not way over my skis on this one. You're not. The way, like I just said, the way that they match up with these teams at the end of the year, Iowa is the one I'm feeling best about in terms of how they, how they match up with them. So having that one on the road, and all year they've been seeming to break records and, and slay the Dragons of things that haven't been done for a while. Now they have to go down and beat Iowa for the first time and. Uh, since 1999 and then Wisconsin at home it just it aligns well for them to potentially be in a conversation that you're 11 and 0 going into that final game mm-hmm. there, there is a realistic scenario where Wisconsin's coming to town you win that game you're playing Ohio State in the Big Ten championship what happens if the Gophers give the Buckeyes a great game in the Big Ten Championship, and what, what's the committee going to do? Did yeah, and the it's, Gophers make the four. A lot is a lot of it's going to depend on, you know. I, I have to look at the fact that it. it I think Clemson's going to be an interesting team because for the most part all year, Clemson hasn't played anybody and they're not going to play anybody. There is nobody that's going to challenge. I mean, you had, you had a scare against North Carolina, but they, they don't play anyone near the quality level of opponents that the Gophers have played or Ohio state has played or even anyone in the big 10. Cause it just, the ACC is just in a different spot than, than the big 10 is currently. And well, and the- and the Gophers have the, had the toughest schedule going down the stretch. Right. Number one in college football, so they're going to factor that in too. I mean, do you find do you see any way that they don't put Clemson in though if they if they take care of business? I I just I don't see a so so that's I mean that's one if if unless you're going to get an upset somewhere and Clemson's going to get knocked off by somebody that has to be one LSU. So that's going to be an interesting situation because with their big win over Alabama, I mean is that, can Alabama sneak their way back in? It's it'll be very 
interesting. Another one, you brought up Oklahoma earlier in the early in the show comparing the Gopher offense with Oklahoma's offense. Oklahoma has one loss already and I mean if if they go if they run the table, if they win their championship game, what does that look like? So, a lot to still be discussed, but the fact that we can actually talk about an undefeated Gopher team possibly going into that Big 10 title game against Ohio State that's 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 new that's new ground that we're breaking there, Daniel. Well, and here's the thing: the rest of the way, the Gophers are playing loose because they have nothing to lose. Right. Essentially, I look at it already. They have a strong chance after beating Penn State if they can do what they need to do down the stretch to play in a Rose Bowl. Even if you don't make the college football playoff, the Gophers have a chance to do something they haven't done in a very long time, since the 60s. And everyone's waited for that moment, and the door, the path is, is there for it to happen. So, hey, either way, they're going to be playing in an excellent bowl game, and you're going to consider this season a success. So the Gophers really don't have any pressure on them. No. I, I see how they play. They don't let any of that outside stuff impact them. They're, they're focused on what they're doing, and that's what makes this team special, is the chemistry and the way that they seem to handle the pressure moments, uh, that's that's the big difference maker. It's PJ's go-to that they're you know what they're focused on. They're, everything else outside is just noise. They're focused on being one and zero in the Iowa season, just like they were one and zero in the Penn State season. That's their main focus, and and you can tell that they're you know they're determined. They they have not overlooked anybody they've played, even though early on you you had some rough games. But credit to them, they they haven't let those kind of fester into next week. You know what I mean? Like they've they 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 wiped the slate clean at the at the start of the week. They they're not they're not too high on themselves. I don't think they will be after this Penn State win. This was a big win, but I think they're going to take that exact same energy that they brought into into the game against Penn State to Kinnick Stadium and and try to knock off the Iowa Hawkeyes. What do you think? It's the mental makeup of this team, James. That's what makes them special, and it's part of P.J.'s culture. That's what it's designed to do, and it's why Western Michigan was successful, because he built it up, and he has his players mentally prepared and focused on what's going on and drowning out all that noise, like you said. That's why they are able to consistently perform at a high level, and they prepare better than anybody. You see it when, when the schemes are are getting looked at on the film. It's, it's, it's absolutely apparent, and that's why I have a lot of confidence in this team going down the stretch that they can do some things that uh, would be just hard to wrap your mind around when you were sitting down and thinking about it in September. Yeah, and I mean, I thought I was high on them predicting them ten wins, and they're gonna they're gonna surpass that. That's a little unbelievable to think that, and and I don't think any it was unfair to predict them to have eight wins, to have nine wins, to have six wins. I think all of that could have been on the table, but credit to them for for you know they 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 started off they started off making everybody a little nervous with those with those non conference games, but it's been it's it's been a completely different team than we've seen early in the year, and credit them for growing. Daniel, I wanna I wanna leave uh leave the listeners with this uh let them know where they can find uh, you, you always write such great piece and you, i know you'll do a, a, a after you're done taking a look at the film you'll do a film study breakdown where can they find that you can find it on at daniel house nfl via twitter uh, i'll be posting it on wednesday the full breakdown of this game this is just the appetizer of the podcast so make <laughs> sure you check it out and then uh the game story will be on score north after the 
Gophers uh, Iowa game on Saturday. After the Gophers beat Iowa for the first time in Kinnick Stadium in 20 years, we'll we'll leave uh, we'll leave on that note. Well, we want to appreciate you guys joining us. This has been really fun for us too. Uh, you had Doogie Phil and and Judd broke down the game uh, as in an emergency podcast. You can check that out on the feed. Ross is going to have something midweek, so keep your eyes open for that. We'll be back as always to break down the the. Uh, the matchup against Iowa. I'm thinking maybe a Saturday or a Sunday uh, for next week. So keep your eyes open for all of that. For Daniel House at Daniel House NFL on Twitter, I'm at Murph underscore MN. I've been James Murphy, and you've been listening to the Score North Gopher Show. Gophers are 9-0. Let's see if we can keep it going.